Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Operator Revolution, the podcast about operations. I'm Jason Carvello, founder of Toronto-based OperatingAcademy.com. And I'm Clint Overton, founder of Boardroom Bullpen in St. Louis, Missouri. And we're your hosts. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're diving deep into the dynamic world of operations leadership and organizational excellence. In an era marked by profound talent shortages, the landscape of recruitment and talent acquisition has become more challenging than ever. Today's employers are not only tasked with finding the right talent, but also with keeping them engaged throughout the hiring process. Here's a staggering statistic to set the stage. According to recent studies, a whopping 77% of employers globally report difficulties in finding the skilled talent they need. To put this into perspective, a mere decade earlier, only 35% faced similar challenges. Join us as we navigate the nuances of attracting, retaining, and maximizing potential for the right individuals in the right roles. Whether you're an HR professional or seasoned executive or someone keen on understanding the intricacies of building high-performing teams, this episode of Operator Revolution is for you. So buckle up. Clint and I are going to get it going. Clint, so today's episode is focusing on right people, right seats. Yeah, you know, I, I was reflecting this morning as I was preparing for this conversation. And, you know, as, as you know, I'm from St. Louis and we're a baseball town. So I'm going to kind of use a, a little bit of a baseball analogy here. But as we move into the new year, it's like moving into a new season. And you know, one of the questions that I think you ask yourself is you're fielding a team. Are you looking for people, that, players that can just put the ball in play? Or are you looking for players that can come up and produce extra base hits and drive runs home, right? And so one of the things that I think is really important, especially for small businesses when they're hitting critical mass, is that they get to a point where they're so focused on blocking and tackling every day, they lose sight of what's really necessary to achieve the objectives that they have. And you know, I was I was thinking about this just in terms of, of what a lot of companies are going through right now. They're probably putting kind of the finishing touches on their 2024 plans, finalizing budgets that they have not already, and really kind of evaluating, you know, what is 2024 going to look like? But the reality is, is just like a lot of things, we can we can put some things on paper that say this is what we want to achieve this year, but then we have to actually ask our, ourselves the questions, do we have the resources and then in this case human capital to actually make those things happen so i I think the the timing of this conversation is super relevant it's super important at any time of the year but i think in particular as we as we enter a new year a new season for businesses this is a really important topic for people to reflect on and think about in terms of achieving their goals this year and we didn't coin the term right people right seats right i think the, the the concept was popularized by Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great. So we'll give Jim that. If you haven't picked up the book, Good to Great, it's a must-have on your on your shelf. The whole the whole point about the language right people, right seats is aligning individual strengths with specific roles within the org for optimal performance. So that's essentially I think what what we're refining and defining. And yeah, going into this new season, definitely you you've got You've got founders right now looking at their starting lineup, and then you've got them looking at their bench, and they're probably doing a bit of a post-mortem on quarter four, going to see who performed well. Do you think that, and do you recommend founders now start to redefine the roles and responsibilities and assess those individual strengths in order to get that starting lineup reevaluated? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know we've talked about kind of this concept in some earlier episodes as well. We've talked about things like organizational design, which really is a kind of a component of this topic, which is really, again, stepping back and looking at what is your strategic plan and then how 2024 kind of fits into what are the things that need to be accomplished to to really achieve that several year vision of the organization as well. And so it's really a matter of going back and assessing what are kind of the what are the what are the skills, talents, and experiences that are necessary in the roles needed for the organization to really achieve those objectives? And so, to me, it's it's coming back being very reflective, um, evaluating what went well in the prior year, and then the things that were of challenge, and then ensuring that you have positions that can really carry really carry the load going forward. So that may mean that. You have roles that are new to the organization that are required because you're continuing to evolve. Maybe there's more of an emphasis on marketing or sales. Maybe there is some specialized operating role in the organization that is now necessary in order to help you scale. But I think the other part of that too is first getting that design of seats in place, but then also having a very honest and reflective consideration for what are the experiences and talents that are necessary to have success in those new roles? And do we actually have the right people to make those things happen? And and to me, that's the thing that it oftentimes gets in the way for organizations to have success is there's usually an identification of the places where they they can't move the needle, but the, the willingness to be honest with themselves about if they have the right people to do that is usually the thing that I think holds people, companies back in terms of really moving the organization forward. So to recap, it's first who, then what, then you've got this people-driven strategy. Then it's about trying to get those right people on board, those talented individuals to recruit them based on character, skills, motivation, and then aligning their strengths, essentially, and capabilities, ensuring that there's some kind of honest assessment and change within the organization, and then you're kind of continually refining that. That's going to sum up a, a bit of a mini process there for listeners. Hundred percent, and I think I think the point that you made, which is really really important to latch onto, is you mentioned that it's a process, and really for organizations that are staying ahead of the curve, the idea of right people, right seats, or or really talent bench, or evolving their organization is a process that they are focused on throughout the course of every year, and so if you don't have that process in place in your organization and you're growing, I encourage you to do so. And it really probably starts with what we just described, going through that exercise for the very first time and learning from it. But then on a go forward basis, there should be an evaluation process by the leadership team of what roles are necessary, what talent do we have in the organization, where do we have gaps in our talent, and how are we going to fill those gaps? And there's a lot of different ways to do that. I think we can explore some of those things in our in our discussion today. Yeah. So conducting a skills gap analysis where you're identifying gaps between skills and strengths of current employees and the requirements of their roles, that's really a a key starting point for our listeners today. How do you, you know, how do you go about starting that? You know, are you working with an HR internal team? Are you, you know, pushing that to the managers to get done? How do you set up the team for that type of analysis? 
Well, I think I think every business is different, and and as we've talked about, you know, we know that we've worked with businesses of kind of all sizes and shapes. So some some businesses may or may not have a full time dedicated human resources professional as part of their organization. Um, as you're growing, I think certainly having someone for full time or from a part time perspective can oftentimes add a tremendous amount of value in contributing to something like this. But in the absence of that, it really is. In the, in the most simple of, of ways of thinking about this is, to me, it's a very meaningful and focused whiteboard exercise, right? And literally laying out, here's what we're trying to achieve in the coming year. What are the, what are the activities required in order to have that success? What talent is necessary to, to achieve those things? And then once that's kind of well laid out on the board, is that to then go through what we just described, which is having kind of a, a very honest and clear evaluation of the people in the organization. And as you start to lay those things out from a visual perspective, especially if you're clear and concise and honest about where everyone's at, the gaps will become very clear. And there will also be clarity potentially in terms of opportunities for people who are already sitting in your organization who may be better suited for an existing seat, a legacy seat, or even a new seat in the organization. And maybe you just didn't have that role previously. So it becomes almost like this, you know, moving the pieces around the board. And then, you know, I hate to use the, the, the idea of musical chairs, right? But there's usually a seat that is still open at the end of musical chairs. And so what seat is open or what seats are open? And then really going through the process to say, how are we going to fill those seats? Are we going to go external? Are we going to bring somebody in full-time? Are we going to utilize a managed service provider? Are we going to go out and bring somebody in on contract? Whatever that might be. And for every organization, depending on where they are in their on the continuum, those answers may be different. Just to latch on a point there about being able to look at the organization, see who else is you know on the bench to kind of move up maybe to starting starting lineup. Offering professional development is a great way to enhance skills and knowledge for employees. A lot of companies uh, who are just you know growing and scaling may not have the opportunity of thought through what does professional development mean to our company, but that's something that we definitely you know recommend. This ensures that your staff are continually growing and evolving in their their roles. So as you said, maybe there's someone over here that might be better suited for for X because of the performance and because of their strengths and skills. And we're layering on then this professional development maybe for the next few quarters or for the year that really just helps them move into that role, makes it easier and facilitates that change just a lot easier. And I think facilitating a role changes and adjustments is something that is is sometimes difficult because it involves these lateral moves or promotions. Sometimes it involves the adjustments to better align individuals' capabilities with the org's needs. Can you speak a little bit about the utilization of cross-functional teams? Like, how do you foster collaboration by organizing more cross-functional teams? Like, once you've done this gap analysis, you might find that there's strengths in other teams. How do you how do you bring those people in? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think part of that is, I, I, I think the first thing to consider, I mean, honestly, is where is this? Where is this in terms of like the habits and experiences of the company, right? So, bringing cross-functional teams together is easy if it's part of your DNA, right? And if you have 
a leadership development model or, or talent management model in, in line with, with what you just described, where there is constant evaluation of the roles that are needed. There is consistent identification of opportunity to move people around into different roles so that they can gain experiences. Th- then there's not a ton of work associated with that. I think that if you're introducing the concept for the first time in your organization, there's some education that comes along with that. I mean, I think really, if we're talking about a small company trying to move up market or up that is this kind of it continuing to evolve and is working towards kind of their next round of funding, these are these are pretty big pivots in their business. And so th- the reality is that there, there's, there has been a catalyst for making this change. So if it's new to the organization, I think getting the, peop- the, the key people together in the organization and making sure that they understand, here's why we're doing this. Here's the value that we see in it. Here, here are the steps that we're going to be taking going forward. And then again, I think, I think it's kind of a, it's a day by day, week by week, month by month process to, to really start to incorporate that into the fabric of your business. I don't, I don't think it's a, Hey, let's just get everybody together and have a powwow one day and then expect that that change is going to kind of take place. The, the people involved in your organization who have been accustomed to it being done the old way need to understand why the change, how they fit into the change, what's expected going forward. And there needs to be routines around that that ensure that that cross-functional collaboration is part of how you operate in your organization going forward. Otherwise, it's like a lot of new ideas. They will fall flat quickly and you won't end up having kind of the outcomes that you're expecting for the business. So added to that, implementing some type of talent management system where the organization kind of can develop talent internally by having processes for performance evaluation, succession planning, identifying high potential employees. The system then helps ensure that the people are in the right place for future leadership roles, as well as identifying additional players that are kind of moving within the organization. So monitoring and adapting is, I think, what you pointed out here. And then I think celebrating success is a big one as well, right? You're moving into a new role. Sometimes we have imposter syndrome that you're dealing with. That's a big one. I think that's something that you know organizations need to reinforce a positive and performance-driven culture. No, and I love that, Jason. I mean, I think what again, we're kind of you know as, as we recognize in as we record these episodes is there is there are folks who are very different places that 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 join us. Some who are very early on their journey, others that are that are much further down the road. But I, I do want to touch on what you described for a moment, because I do think if you're further down the path or if you're building a vision for how you want to do talent management and leadership development in your organization, what you just described is super important. And th- that is just that, is that if you continue to evolve that process, the way that's going to look is clarity for everyone in the organization, regardless of what level you're in, that you actually have a talent management process, that you are you have scorecards, that you have routines where you're meeting with your team, that you're you're having open and honest dialogue with the folks across your team at all levels in terms of their performance in their current roles, but also understanding what they aspire to do going forward, and then having very honest conversations around willingness and capacity to get there, and then building out development plans underneath that, which you mentioned earlier, 
around how do we do continuing education? And that continuing education ideally should match, here's the next role that we believe makes sense for the people on our team. Here, here are things that they not only want to do, but also have the capacity to do. And then working in collaboration together on what that development plan is to achieve that. And then having a routine in place to check in and make sure that that's actually happening. And then the reality of that is, is that if that's part of the routine that you have in your organization, the discussions are really easy when that next opportunity comes along, if that person does or doesn't get the role, because if we're having honest dialogue, then we know, A, are they putting in the work around the development plan? And B, have they demonstrated the learning and competencies now necessary to fit into that next role? So love all that. Again, just recognizing you know, the, the listeners that we have on our call, that is something to certainly aspire to. If you're doing like none of that yet, like that simple whiteboard exercise we discussed early is like a great starting point, but understanding kind of your true North is that if you really want to have a high performing organization, what I just described and what we just talked about is really where you want to get to. So quick mid podcast kind of checklist summarize what we've talked about. So defining roles and responsibilities, assess individual strengths, establish key performance indicators if they haven't been done, conduct that skills gap analysis, encourage open communication, offer professional development, facilitate that role change and adjustments, potentially utilize cross-functional teams, implement a talent management system, continue to be elastic, monitor and adapt, and then of course celebrate that success. One of the concepts for the right people, right seats I hear and we deal with on a daily basis is, is right people, right seats limited to full-time employees or can we include contributors outside of the organization into the organization? And you know, how do we set up the right framework for that? How do we introduce new people into the organization? that are, again, not full-time, maybe they come in. I like to use the term a sniper to come in. You know, The traditional term is a contractor. There's multiple terms that we could use. How do we ensure that, that you know, we maintain everything that we've said here, but we realize you know, we don't need somebody full-time? We might have done a gap analysis and say, hey, we need somebody to come in for you know, three months or six months. Can we maybe talk a little bit about that kind of framework for contractors? Yeah, I mean... I- as you know, I tend to try to try to oversimplify things w- when I can. But I mean, the reality is, is that if there's clear and honest communication in your organization and everyone has clarity in terms of where the vision is, what the strategy is, what the goals are for this year, if there is honest communication about where we need more horsepower and we don't have it, first of all, that's the starting point. Everybody needs to always understand what we're doing, why we're do- doing it, how we're doing it. That makes everything easier. And then once once you've identified that, you should also have a lot of clarity in terms of what the size and shape and need is of that role. So is it, do I need a specialized marketing service to come in and help us with a particular campaign? Do I need somebody to come in and help us really restructure our financial picture? Do I need somebody to come in and help us with a technology stack change in our organization. It could be a million different things, right? Is, first of all, if you have the clarity and communication and it's part of your DNA, that's the foundational component. Then the introduction of that person or team into your organization is much easier 
And you bring them in, in my view, in a very similar way that you would if you were hiring somebody full time. You still want to make sure they have an opportunity to spend time with all the the right resources in the organization to get the context they need for success. There needs to be incorporation of them into whatever meetings are necessary so that they can have success in what we're asking them to do and the team that's supporting them can have success in collaborating with them. So the reality is to me is it doesn't have to be fundamentally different where I think organizations fail when they bring in another party is they tend to, to, to somehow separate them from the group. And I think that tends to limit the success of the engagement. And because at the end of the day, you, you need somebody who's invested in delivering on the need. Check. So aligning with organizational goals, that skill set expertise is key. We want to ensure any contractors come in and possess the necessary skills and expertise to come in and fulfill that obligation. And then matching the skills and job requirements is, you know, it's just an it's a one-on-one. It's crucial for success. But it's interesting how many times it's overlooked. A lot of the time, it's just like, hey, we need someone to come in and fill a role. I mean, I, we see this in customer service quite a bit. We need someone to come in because so-and-so just, you know, just wasn't able to come in. And we just need a body to fill the role, especially in the world of live chat, you know. But that's, it's, it's we start to see, it's a dangerous, slippery slope when we start to see that, when we forget the fact that we do need to match those skills with the job requirements. So again, I'll just over-index on that that point. Your points about communication and integration, we do want to make sure that these contractors feel like full-time employees. And that's, again, part of your point on communication channels and culture. Those open lines of communication, it's it's the key to everything. I think if I look at my postmortem on the work we've, we've done with clients over the year of last year, I'd say communication is, is up there. Once you have that communication nailed, you know teams can get through anything because it sets the next point, which is clear expectations and creates that flexibility for, for adaptability. And also I'd say contractors are also interesting because they can come in and they could be fit for a longer period of engagement if you have some of these other items checked off and they become a really amazing cultural fit. And then from a cost perspective, there's a cost effectiveness that goes with hiring contractors that you know can come in and provide ROI right away. So yeah, just to wrap up, I had some items here, some other stuff listed here. And feel free, Clint, to kind of audit my list here for our listeners. But as we wrap up, my comments were as follows. Reflect on the key takeaways that reshape the way you approach talent management within your organization. The steps of taking action are as follows. Reflect on your, on your team. Have open dialogue. Skill and interest mapping is key. Ensure you have a feedback loop. Explore development opportunities. And then finally, ensure that you have flexibilities in roles, full-time, part-time contractor. No, I think that's great. I think the other thing that I would just say is that no matter if this is new to your organization or it's something that you've been doing on an on, on a ongoing basis in some form or fashion, the only thing that I would add to that is consistent evaluation of the execution of those deliverables, right? Is again, just because you have a process in place, whatever that process is in your organization, doesn't mean that it's it's achieving the goal. So I think ensuring that each of those things are evaluated on some type of a routine to ensure that the outcomes 
are matching the objectives is super critical. And then being willing to refine and change as you learn to adapt to the needs of really achieving what you're trying to through through those processes. The, the other thing I would just say just really quickly that I think is really important, and I think you touched on it, but I just would like to reiterate it, is that regardless of it, if it's a, to your point, like an entry-level contractor who's coming in to answer the phone, or it is a specialized managed service provider, maybe it's a fractional executive that's joining your team, just match the onboarding process that you would if that person was a full-time employer in your organization. So it doesn't mean you need to do more, but you also cannot do less. And the places that I have seen fail time and time and time and time and time again is that I paid this outside source. They just have to figure it out. Well, no, no, no. The reality is, is you're utilizing a different resource because they do add value. In many cases, they create flexibility and then oftentimes they do something for you at a reduced cost, but their ability to succeed and to ensure your organization can succeed means that you still need to make the same investment up front in terms of onboarding them based on the level that they're at. So I just would add that as just kind of a, as a follow-up point. If you want to have success, those things are absolutely necessary. Keep your revolutionizing your operations, leading with purpose and ensuring that every seat on your organizational bus is occupied by the right person. With that, listeners, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm Jason Carvello. And I'm Clint Overton.